politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm the host of the show. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking the show out. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back and continuing to listen. The show is available on the following apps. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you listen to the show using one of these apps, please click subscribe, and this will allow you to receive notifications when new episodes are uploaded. You can also listen to episodes on the show's Facebook page, which can be found by searching for Let Me Bend Your Ear. Episodes are also available on the show's YouTube channel. Just search for Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. This podcast covers three different topics, politics, sports, and movies. Each episode is dedicated to one of these topics. You can also follow the show on social media. The handle for Twitter is at BendYourEarPod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you want to email the show, the email is BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. If you're not using a podcasting app to listen to the show, you can always get episodes directly from the website, which is located at www.letmebendyourear.com. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Hope everybody's had a good week and is having a good Saturday afternoon. I wanted to go live. This is my first live, so bear with me with any glitches. Hopefully, uh, the video and the audio quality is good. Uh, so if it's not, uh, please feel free to comment if you're either live now. I'm going to put this video uh, on Facebook. Also, I will have the audio version of this on the podcast feed and also on the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. I'm getting on today. I am pretty annoyed with the NFL right now. And uh, I'm going to talk about the NFL coaching hire. So of course, obviously after the end of each season, you get uh, what's called black Monday, which is the day after the season is over where uh, coaches are fired from teams that underperformed or for whatever reason are let go by their prospective teams. So I don't have the list of all the teams in front of me. So I'm kind of going to wing it because I, like I said, I just decided to jump on because I was reading a story this morning about some of the hires. I'm going to get into it in a moment, but uh, some of the teams that lost coaches or that were coaches that were released were the Eagles, the Chargers, the Texans, the Lions, the, uh, I think I'm missing, I'm on, I know I'm missing a couple teams there um, and several others. I think there were seven vacancies total. Uh, that's not the biggest part of the story. The biggest part of the story for me that's actually got me pretty annoyed is the the sequence of hiring of new coaches so obviously if you follow sports or follow football I think you know where I'm going here and it is the shockingly lack of minority hires when it comes to new rounds of coaching so before I know some people are probably going to hear this and go well you know teams have the right to hire whoever they want they're looking for the best coach for their team and I get all of that, and I actually agree with that uh, in principle. But here's my issue, uh, especially with this round and going back historically. So I'm going to go back to my team. So I'm going to go back a little bit. If you know me or if you follow the podcast or, or, or know me personally, you know my favorite team of all time is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I grew up as a Buccaneers fan. 
obviously excited that they're in the championship game. But if you know the history of the Buccaneers, uh, from the time they started in 1976, they had a brief run of success early on after a couple of years of bad. Basically, they went 0-26 and then went one game away from the Super Bowl. Then after that, they went to the playoffs a couple of years in the early 80s and then 15 years of horrible, horrible football. So in 1996, uh, the, Gla- the Glazers bought the Buccaneers from original owners Hugh Culver House. So there was a uh, pursuit of both Bill Parcells and Steve Spurrier at the time and some other well-named, uh, well-known coaches. But the general manager at the time, Rich McKay, had an interview with defensive coordinator for the Vikings at the time by the name of Tony Dungy. Now, Tony Dungy played with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s during the glory years. He was a quarterback, backup quarterback, uh, or actually a safety in uh, in the league. He was a quarterback in college at Minnesota, but he played on the teams, Terry Bradshaw, <clears throat> all the Super Bowl teams uh, of the 70s. And he had gone into coaching. So his mentor was the great Chuck Knoll, the coach of the Steelers for the longest period of time before Bill Cowher took over. So obviously, if you know the Pittsburgh Steelers history, they've only had three coaches in the last 40 years. So that's a stable organization. Tony Dungy played in that organization and then coached. He moved over and coached at Kansas City with Marty Schottenheimer, another great coach. And at the time, he was being considered for the Buccaneers position. He was a defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, who were then head coached by another black coach, Dennis Green, and the offensive coordinator at the time was Brian Billick, who would go on to coach the Ravens to a Super Bowl championship. So this wasn't the first interview for Tony Dungy. He was a highly regarded defensive mind, and the defenses he coached always performed very well, fundamentally sound, schematically sound. He had been on several interviews for head coaching positions previous to the interview with the Buccaneers. And if you are aware of Tony Dungy's personality and his demeanor, uh, you know, he's a very devout Christian. Uh, His demeanor on the sideline is very quiet, very stoic. Uh, So in a lot of circles, that was mistaken for, I think, weakness or not even weakness, probably more trepidation regarding his ability to lead men. Uh, I think, you know, when you see coaches, whether it's on the sidelines or in movies or however coaches are portrayed, I think most people are looking for the rah-rah, very um, outspoken leader of men in your face kind of thing. And and that's kind of what they look for, especially in interviews. Tony Dungeon never interviewed that way. He he was the person that he was. And fortunately, both Rich McKay in interviewing and recommending Tony Dungy to the Glazers and to the Glazers for accepting that recommendation and hiring him. So he's hired to coach the Buccaneers. They start off. Uh, 0-5. Remember, this is a team that hadn't made the playoffs in the previous 15 seasons, so he was building from the ground up. Now, there was some talent that was drafted uh, by the previous regime under Sam Weish, uh, notably uh, um, Warren Sapp was there, John Lynch was there. So there were some pieces in place defensively to uh, help him build, but make no mistake that Tony Dungy turned that team around, made them a playoff team, and got them to the 1999 NFC Championship game uh, and shut down one of the great offenses of all time in the uh, Los Angeles Rams um, before ultimately losing that game. He took him to a playoffs a couple of years, then was fired after the 2001 season when they lost again to the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs. John Gruden replaced him, and then you kind of know the rest of the story. 
the reason I bring that story up or, or that history of Tony Dungy with the Buccaneers, uh, and then, of course, subsequently he went to the Colts and won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning as his quarterback. The issue of black coaches has been an issue in the been an open issue in the NFL forever. There's not even this is not even a new issue. So Tony Dungy wins the Super Bowl. He becomes the first African-American coach to win a Super Bowl, which is great. And then from his staff, you've got you've gotten coaches, African-American coaches, Herm Edwards, who coached the Jets and the Chiefs, Mike Tomlin, of course, you know, uh, with his very successful stint with the Steelers and Lovey Smith, who coached, started as defense coordinator, went to the Rams, then went to the Bears, got the Bears to the Super Bowl, um, coincidentally against Tony Dungy. Uh, so you had two African-American coaches in the Super Bowl, which was a great achievement. And then, uh, unfortunately, he had a less successful stint uh, as the Buccaneers head coach. So going back to this current round of hiring, so the teams that all needed coaches, you know, made their interviews. All the positions as of this recording, as of right now, this live stream, have been filled with the exception of the Houston Texans. So before I get to the Texans, which is why I actually jumped on to do this live, coaches, let's start with the Detroit Lions. This franchise has been awful for 60 years. They've made a playoff last 30 years ago. 30 years ago, they made the playoffs. That's the last time they've made the playoffs, and they're terrible. So they had an opportunity. Well, let's let me go a little bit farther back. So the Detroit Lions actually had an African-American head coach in Jim Caldwell, who was actually being considered for the Texans job. I'll get to that in a minute. They had a head coach in Jim Caldwell who had a winning record with Detroit, took Detroit to the playoffs two seasons, two consecutive seasons, I believe. Uh, so in, in all metrics was a good coach. They fired him because apparently he wasn't good enough, which, again, that's any team's prerogative to do so. So since they fired Jim Caldwell, they hired Matt Patricia from the New England Patriots and his coaching tenure there was a disaster. The only signature win he had was against the Patriots the first season he coached there. So rightfully so, he was fired this season. So, of course, that's one of the positions that was available. So what do they do? They do their interviews. They hire, I think, a new general manager. All the talk was how deliberate they were going to be, how they were going to you know, be methodical in hiring both the general manager and the coach. So if you've read the news or watched or followed or care or a Detroit Lions fan, they hired Dan Campbell this week, who was the assistant head coach and tight ends coach of the New Orleans Saints. But Dan Campbell, a few years back, uh, replaced Joe Philbin in Miami and went to a five and seven record there. And he's one of these raw, raw guys. So I don't know if you saw his press conference. I would suggest you go to YouTube or anywhere else and look it up and I don't know this guy's coaching ability. Don't know much about him other than his stint in Miami and that he used to be a tight end in the league and he, for about 10 years. So he's an NFL player and a coach. So, yeah, he has experience coaching. He does, but he's never been a head coach other than the interim stint with Miami. And I don't think he's ever been a coordinator. So he's qualified to be a head coach without any coordinating experience on defense or offense. <clears throat> and a limited time as a head coach. So they hire him. If you watch this, just watch the news conference. I'm going to just kind of summarize it and basically let you know that he basically was talking about how his team is going to be tough and 
I think there were some references to biting kneecaps and taking flesh and just essentially cuckoo. So I guess in the interview with the Lions, his rah-rah, we're going to be the toughest team, blah, blah, blah. I guess that sold and he got the job. They gave him a six-year deal. Now, understand this. Typically, coaches get four- to five-year deals. Uh, there's been some exceptions. The last exception was, I believe, Kyle Shanahan and the general manager, John Lynch, for the 49ers got six-year deals to coincide with each other. I think that's turned out to work well for them. But six-year deals are very unusual. That that means you're, you're basically saying, we're going to give you the opportunity to build your program, which normally I think is a great idea, depending on who the coach is. But this guy, I'm sorry, sounds like a clown. Now, I could be wrong, and he can be a great coach, and if he ends up being a great coach, great for him. But my point is, and just taking Detroit, and we're going to take some other teams in a minute too, you had uh, competent minority head coaching candidates out there uh, that were available. Todd Bowles, defense coordinator of the Bucks. Of course, the, the big name that's been brought up is Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, of the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're going to do a deeper dive into him in a moment here. So he was interviewed for that position. He interviewed for most all of the positions that were available. I think actually all of them as of this uh, this recording. And you pick some dude that sounds like he's from the WWE to head coach your team. So moving on from the Detroit Lions, they're going to still be the Detroit Lions. My prediction for them is that they're still going to be terrible. They have to decide what to do with Matt Stafford, and if they move on from Matt Stafford, they're going to have to get a quarterback. And I think that's going to be the continued dumpster fire that it's always been. Um, let's go to the Chargers. So Chargers have a great rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. They had a coach in Anthony Lynn, an African-American coach that was fired. Now, this is not an issue about firing the coach because, in my opinion, the Chargers underachieved this year. They have too much talent, and they lost a lot of close games. And Anthony Lynn made a lot of questionable coaching decisions late in games. So him getting fired doesn't bother me. Like any coach, African-American, white, doesn't matter. If you do not perform, it's a bottom line performance business. You're going to lose your job. So that's not the issue I have. <clears throat> so the Chargers have hired a young coordinator from the Rams to take over. Now, I don't know anything about him. Uh, obviously, I don't have any insight to the interview process. So to see a coach that no one's ever really heard of outside of uh, coaching circles, that's fine. And he may be a great coach and he may do a great job. And again, Eric Bieniemy, I believe, uh, interviewed for that position as well. Atlanta hired uh, the Titans offensive coordinator to take over. The Eagles just hired uh, someone from the Colts staff to take over offensive coordinator. I think he's 38 years old. Uh, never heard of him either. And again, just because I've never heard of someone doesn't mean that that's not a great hire. Uh, I didn't really know about Sean McVay before he got hired with the Rams, and he's done a, a pretty fantastic job there. Uh, again, so here's the bigger picture, and this is what really disgusts me. Let's zero in on the Houston Texans. So Houston Texans' uh, season was a disaster. Uh, obviously, Bill O'Brien, who frankly, even before the season started, I never understood how this guy kept his job as long as he did. I know there were some defenders of his. Uh, let me just break it down. My opinion on Bill O'Brien's tenure with the Houston Texans is the only reason that the Houston Texans did anything when he was there was because they have Deshaun Watson period. Deshaun Watson is the reason that Bill O'Brien coached there as long as he did. Because I'm telling you right now, if Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback of the Houston Texans, that team is a dumpster fire. 
And now that I see what's been happening in the last few weeks, that team is a dumpster fire, even with Deshaun Watson there. So their record was horrific this year, but Deshaun Watson's numbers were phenomenal. Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's not even debatable. From college to the pros, he's been phenomenal. He's still phenomenal. He's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, period. And what's going on in Houston right now is a travesty. It started last season, not even this season. It started last season when they decided to trade DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. Now, normally a wide receiver trade to another team is really not a big deal. Uh, even if it's a good one, if you're if you're trying to clear salary cap space or if you have someone behind him that has the potential to take his place that you can have play at a high level at a cheaper rate, I get all of that. I get all of that. But to trade DeAndre Hopkins, who was basically the number one target for Deshaun Watson, and if I understand the situation there correctly, you don't even give the dude the heads up. And I understand that Deshaun Watson is a player, not a coach or not a GM, but let's all be real. If you're a superstar player in the NFL, especially if you're a quarterback, you understand that you have a, 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 you should have a semblance of power and respect where they come to you and try to let you know what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, he, and even if it's something you don't agree with, at least try to explain it to you before it happens. So this trade happens. Terrible. Great for the Cardinals because he does what he always does is play great. So they get rid of a great player on a team that you assume – and the Texans, that's ascending, even though they were struggling. And the second thing you got going on there is there's some guy there, Jack Easterby. So I've learned a little bit about this dude in the last few weeks. So apparently he is not a football guy. I guess he was a, I don't know, I don't even know, a therapist, a life some kind of weird job that you can't really describe. And then all of a sudden he's got, he weaseled his way in to become like the chief confidant of the owner of the Texans, who was the son of the original owner uh, who passed away. So he's running all the football operations. So you keep a coach in Bill O'Brien that's terrible, then you finally fire him. So now we've gotten to the point where in Houston, Deshaun Watson, without saying it publicly, has basically intimated that he's done and he wants to get out of there. So from the Houston Texans perspective, this should be easy if you're the owner. Your franchise quarterback wants out. And it almost seems like the, the relationship is not repairable. If you're the owner of the Texans and you have any inkling that you can try to salvage what's happened here, because obviously this has been going back for a few years. This wasn't an isolated incident. And, and this is not something where people were, you know, all of a sudden Deshaun Watson is like, well, I just don't want to be here anymore. I, I want to get out of here. There's some deep-seated issues that have been going on over the last couple of seasons, and he's intimating that he wants to get out. Now, he hasn't asked for a trade. He hasn't peeped in the public anything about for, for a trade. So to me, if you're the owner of the Houston Texans, and if I was the owner of the Houston Texans, I would be firing Jack Easterby yesterday, and I would be reaching out to Deshaun Watson and telling him, what do we need to do to repair this relationship? I don't want you to go. You are the franchise quarterback, and we cannot go anywhere without you. What do you want us to do? Or what can we do to make things better? And now I'm not a privy to conversations. It doesn't sound like that's happening. So they've had a coaching search. Now, 
Issue number one, Deshaun Watson made it known, not directly, but you know how these things work. Sources confirm, reporters from ESPN or Fox or other one gets wind of. Sources say that Deshaun Watson is a big fan of Eric Bieniemy, the African-American uh, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He makes that known. Do they interview him initially? They interviewed a whole bunch of people except him. Now, I think finally they rectified that and did it. So, okay, great. So you did it after your franchise quarterback that wants to get out of there is letting you know that's the guy I would like to see coach this team. Again, are players general managers? Are players responsible for coaching hires? No, they're not. But when you have a franchise quarterback that if you lose this guy, make no mistake, if he ends up getting traded, the Houston Texans will be irrelevant. Period. Because they have shown no ability to build a team around Deshaun Watson to get them to the point where they can either win a division or get to the playoffs. So they got to the playoffs in the last couple of years in spite of the fact that they're incompetent and because of Deshaun Watson. That's why the years they made the playoffs, they did. Because of Deshaun Watson, make no mistake. That's very clear. So they've interviewed coaches. They still, they're the only team left without a head coach. Now, the rest of the teams that have hired head coaches, not one minority candidate was hired. And I'll get to that in a minute, too. That's nonsense. We'll get to that bigger picture when I talk about the enemy. But back to the Houston Texans. This week or a couple of days ago, I just read that they're considering or they have interviewed Josh McCown. Now, if that name is familiar to you, he is a quarterback that played in the league for 15, 16 years. I don't even know his, his whole history. And including the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my team. What I hear about Josh McCown is nothing but good things. It's kind of similar to the situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I compare them to a lot. Smart guys, good team players. They understand their role in a team. They understand that they're not a franchise quarterback. They understand that a lot of times they're either just a fill-in or a bridge until a team can find another quarterback. They know their role, and they accept that role. And not only that, they're are, are asset to the team. I've heard nothing but fantastic things about Josh McCown. I heard he's a good dude. I heard he's a good teammate. And at times, he's been a, a decent quarterback, which is fantastic. And someday, he may be a, a great head coach. But let's understand this. They're interviewing him, or they've interviewed him. I just read before I got on the live here, Josh McCown's coaching experience, okay, his coaching experience, not his playing experience, his coaching experience consists of not even a head coach, but he was an assistant coach at a high school. So I don't know if he did it for his kids or a lot of times these players will coach in the offseason, just, you know, especially if their kids play, uh, to be with their kids and to, and to interact with them in football, which is great. So his coaching experience is not even head coaching a high school team, assistant coach. So you're about to potentially – put him in charge of an NFL franchise when he's had no coaching experience at either the college level coordinator or coach or at the professional level coordinator or coach, he might get that job. So if you hire Josh McCown, look, that might turn out to be a genius move. Maybe five years from now, if he ends up being hired and they make the playoffs, assuming they can keep Deshaun Watson, that will come back and go, wow, they made the right call. But that's not even the issue. The bigger issue is minority head coaches are being passed over for no good reason. 
and this is not speculation. This is not a, fa- a, 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 a guess on my part. I've watched football and coaches hires and fires since I was a little kid. This is a fact. And this is a fact that cannot be disputed. This is easy to, to prove if you have eyes and a brain. Eric Bieniemy has been an offensive coordinator under Andy Reid, one of the great offensive minds in the NFL. So I kind of understand what some owners will see. And this is not even just because Eric Bieniemy is African-American. And it's a legitimate question that people ask about coordinators that work under coaches that call their own play. So this, if you're not familiar with the NFL, a lot of coaches, most coaches do not call their play. So most coaches have an offensive coordinator and a, def- a defensive coordinator. And each coordinator calls the plays. Now, obviously, inside the game, the coach will direct some certain things, situational football, timeouts, things like that. But m- most coaches still to this day have coordinators that call plays on each side of the ball. There are a couple of exceptions to that rule, and that has grown as offensive football has become more important. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Sean McVay in L.A. calls his own plays. Andy Reid calls his own plays. John Gruden calls his own plays. Matt Nagy calls his own plays. Frank Reich, I believe, calls his own plays in uh, in Indianapolis. And uh, I'm sure there's more than I'm missing that call their own place. So in Kansas City, Andy Reid calls the plays. He always has. Eric Bieniemy is highly involved in the offensive game plan for that team. He's the offensive coordinator. That's his title. But he doesn't call the plays. So I think that's used as a negative in considering him for a head coaching job. Let me tell you why that thought is garbage. I'm going to give you a list of coaches right now that are coaching in the NFL that come from the Andy retreat. And I think I'm correct on all of these off the top of my head. One, Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears, calls his own plays, worked under Andy Reid. Two, Peterson, Philadelphia, who was just fired, worked under Andy Reid. Three, Frank Wright, Indianapolis Colts, calls his own plays. Didn't call him when he worked for Andy Reid. None of these guys call plays for Andy Reid. Why? Because Andy Reid calls his own plays. So they were able to get head coaching positions and be successful. Peterson won a Super Bowl. Frank Reich, I think, has got the Colts in the right direction. They're just missing a quarterback. And Matt Nagy, I think, is in the same issue with Chicago. Now, Matt Nagy, I think, is a little overrated. <clears throat> now, he has issues at quarterback with Trubisky and Nick Foles. But he's been successful in turning that defense around. So that's a decent team. I think they're a little overrated. But, again, that's not the point. The point is, I just named you three people, three, that coached under Andy Reid. And got head coaching opportunities. What's the difference with Eric Bieniemy? He's highly respected by the player. I know Alex Smith, the former Chiefs quarterback, came out good for him and basically called everybody out and said the fact that Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach is ridiculous. I watched Eric Bieniemy play. That's how old I am. He was a good player. He moved into coaching, became a good coach, a respected coach that players like, and an offensive mind so why seven openings seven openings and he doesn't get one job and this is not even the first year he's been considered for these openings last year and i think even the season before what what's the problem what's the problem what's the problem of african-american coaches getting hired let's go back to the chargers and anthony lynn anthony lynn who i thought 
the season before did a decent job, but had a rough season this year, and I understood why he got fired. I'm not even disagreeing with that. Here's the second problem. Is Anthony Lynn going to get a second chance? Is he? He had a playoff season. Is he going to get a second chance to coach? I'll go back even further, and I'll tie it back into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Raheem Morris took over for John Gruden when Gruden was fired. Now, I think the in retrospect, he was probably too young to be a coach, even though it's funny now because you get the 30-year-old coaches now that just got hired, 38, 37, 36. But 10 years ago, maybe it was he was not ready. He was a highly acclaimed defensive coordinator, and the ownership and general manager loved him, and there's a lot to like about Raheem Morris. He took a garbage team or a team that was struggling and got 10 wins out of them. With a quarterback, Josh Freeman, that was a, that was a hot mess. But unfortunately, the, season, the next season after that, the team, and it's been accused of that, and it's a tough one, that, that, that they laid down the last five or six games, and then he was fired. He's never gotten another chance to head coach. He was just in Atlanta, defensive coordinator. He was the interim coach for Atlanta. Now it looks like he's going to, I think, the Rams. I think he, he was just getting hired as a defensive coordinator. So he doesn't get a second chance. Is Anthony Lynn going to get a second chance? Is Steve Wilkes going to get a second chance? Who was at Arizona? Now he had he didn't have a very good tenure there, but there's plenty of coaches that um, struggle that are not African American that get second chances. And I'll be give you the name. Oh, I don't know, Adam Gase. He got two coaching jobs in the same division, so he did nothing in Miami. He was not good in Miami. We know what he did with the Jets. Now, that's not all his fault, but he's not a good coach. All he does is make players hate him. And what do I find out this week? Adam Gase, now he's not getting a head coaching opportunity. They, he's, he's interviewing to be the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Because apparently Pete Carroll just wants to annoy Russell Wilson. Why would you pick that dude? Of all the people that you could pick to be an offensive coordinator... You pick a guy that's been terrible at two spots as a head coach. Now, I know there's some co- people that are good coordinators and not good head coaches. I, I believe that. I think um, Phillips is a great example of that. Uh, I think he's coming out of retirement. I forgot his first name now. Uh, Bum Phillips' son um, wants to coach again. He's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Phenomenal. Not a very good head coach. So maybe Adam Gase is one of those people. But again, my point is, if you're a coach of color, it seems like, first of all, it's hard to get the first opportunity. But if you fail in the first opportunity, getting a second opportunity is even tougher. The only people that I've seen break that rule has been three coaches. Her, and it's funny because they've come from Tony Dungy. Herm Edwards got to coach the Jets and the Chiefs. Lovey Smith got to coach the Bears, then the Bucks, And oh, I forgot who the third person was. No, Marvin Lewis, I don't count. That's right. Marvin Lewis only, has only had one head coaching. And he's actually interviewed as well to come back, and he hasn't been considered at all. And take Marvin Lewis. I mean, I've been critical of him for the playoff situation, but the bottom line is he coached a garbage franchise to playoffs and consistently being a winning team. And he's not coaching anywhere. Now, I, I don't know what the interview process is with him, or I don't know what the deal is, but how is he not getting a second opportunity when I see coaches get recycled all the time? Pete Carroll... Even Bill Belichick, the great Bill Belichick, he had a losing record in Cleveland. And he was struggling in New England until Tom Brady came and started to play. So he he had a losing record. 
the great Bill Belichick, he got a second chance. These coaches get second chances all the time, especially good ones. Marty Schottenheimer, who I think is an underrated great coach, he got three chances, I think. I think he coached he coached the Chargers. He got fired after a 14-2 season, another bad decision. But they, you see these coaches get recycled all the time. Now, what I have seen in the league is young coaches getting the opportunity more than ever, especially young offensive minds, which goes back to why the hell is Eric Bieniemy not a head coach somewhere? Why? And I don't want to hear about he doesn't interview well or he doesn't call the plays because I just gave you three examples of coaches from the same coaching tree of Andy Reid who have gotten opportunities to coach an NFL football team who have never been an NFL head coach before. And you've got the Lions hiring Hulk Hogan to be their coach. You've got the Texans who haven't gotten a coach yet potentially hiring Josh McCown. Great guy. Knowledgeable NFL quarterback. He's never coached anywhere professionally. Never coordinated anywhere professionally. You're on the verge possibly of hiring him, not only over Eric Bieniemy, but over Jim Caldwell, who's a proven NFL head coach and a proven winner at the NFL level. You're going to maybe hire a quarterback that's never coached over a coach of color that has won. And let me get back to Jim Caldwell that took a team to the Super Bowl. He didn't win it, but he got to the Super Bowl as a head coach, got to the Super Bowl as a head coach. And this dude is not coaching anywhere. What? That is straight garbage. That's garbage. And the NFL owners are garbage for not doing that. I understand. And this is this is what this comes down to. People will call it racism. People will call it whatever. This has always been my perspective on this. And unfortunately, it's an unconscious bias. I don't do I think that NFL owners are racist? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what's in anybody's heart or mind, but I do know this. And this is human nature. This is not even a race situation. You are comfortable with people who are like you. You are comfortable giving what's the word? I don't even see a pass, but but overlooking deficiencies in one's resume when someone is like you or you are let's take the lions you know for an example you're fine with overlooking a resume when the guy comes in with passion quote unquote passion and to go back to the tony dungy example tony dungy's demeanor and his his the way that he approaches coaching and the way that he approaches interacting with players is perceived or was perceived as lack of passion so passionless quote unquote tony dungy not only turned a franchise that was trash for 15 years into a super bowl caliber team minus a quarterback because he could never get the quarterback right and struggled getting the offense going consistently which led to his demise in tampa not only did he turn that franchise around and set the table for a Super Bowl victory, he goes to Indianapolis with Peyton Manning, one of the all-time greats, who the knock on him was his ability not to win in the playoffs, and takes that team over the hump, and they win a Super Bowl over a coach that he hired, that he mentored in Lovey Smith and became the first African-American tandem to, to challenge each other in a Super Bowl. 
So that lack of passion, what does that mean? And all the stories and following Tony Dungy and talking to players and hearing players interview about him, he was passionate and practices when he needed to be, but he wasn't a loud mouth that were saying they were going to bite people's ears off and cl- clip kneecaps and bust heads and because that's nonsense because this guy, Dan Campbell in Detroit who got hired over Eric B or maybe somebody else, he he's, he's WWE. And that's not an insult to WWE. It's entertaining sometimes. And it's fun. That's not NFL football. So he basically fooled his way into this coach. Like I said, I don't think he's going to do anything there. I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. The Detroit Lions have a history of bad decisions, including firing Jim Caldwell, the one winning coach they've had in 20 years. Fired him. Now they've got this guy for six years. Well, he won't be there six years because they'll fire him after three. And then maybe they'll learn their lesson. But again, this is a fact. This is indisputable. NFL owners are not hiring African-American coaches. Oh, I forgot one. Let me go back. Robert Sala got hired by the New York Jets, who is a um, a Muslim, practicing first coach to be hired. Uh, And his story is actually pretty interesting. Um, If you get into that, uh, I definitely look him up. I mean, he he was working in finance in New York, and his brother um, got out of the towers on September 11th and uh, escaped escaped uh, before the towers came down and uh robert sala at that point made a decision that he wanted to pursue his passion which was football because he understood that day and this is a lesson i've taken personally lately is that uh, life is really too short to not pursue things that you're passionate about Uh, so his story is actually really a really interesting one Uh, I, i urge you to check that out uh so he's so the jets the other team that uh hired a coach um uh, to lead them, that's not uh, your typical, you know, Caucasian younger coach. But that being said, again, that's woefully inadequate. And 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 am I saying that every NFL team needs to hire an African American coach? Hey, that'd be great. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that African American coaches in the league, there's plenty of candidates that I'm sure, and and Eric Bieniemy is just the one that's the most known right now. I'm sure. I don't run an NFL team. I'm sure right now. Because every team makes a list of coaches that they're keeping their eye on in the event that they have to fire their coach. Because if you're not doing that, you're not running your franchise correctly. So I'm sure on the list of a lot of these places or or within the media or people that follow coaches, there's probably six, seven, eight African-American coaches that could take over a team if you gave them the chance. We're just hearing about Eric Bieniemy, And the fact of the matter is seven openings, this guy doesn't get one one job, one shot. I, I would understand that there was one opening this year or maybe two and the players didn't, you know, it wasn't going to happen for them. But there's seven openings. He doesn't get a sniff at one of them. That's straight garbage. And if you're going to sit here and tell me, well, you know, it's more complicated than that. And they, like I said at the beginning of this, of this um, stream, you have the right to hire whoever you want. It's your team. It's a billion-dollar decision you're making. I understand that. You have the right to hire whoever you want. But to sit here and tell me that 
there's nothing else going into it. And the fact that you won't even consider African-American coaches, that's not that's not right. And I know the NFL has tried with the Rooney rule. Uh, let's talk about that. The Rooney rule basically mandates that you interview an African-American candidate or a candidate of color or, or, or a non-white candidate in your process before you choose a coach. In spirit, that's great because it gets these guys in front of people, in front of the people that make these decisions. It hasn't worked. Jacksonville, their number one target was Urban Meyer. You're going to tell me that Jacksonville or any or any team, the Raiders, the Raiders wanted to rehire John Gruden. There was speculation that he was going to come back to the Bucks. The Raiders made sure that didn't happen. They gave him a 10-year deal and the money and the financial security and the power. They interviewed in a minority candidate. I don't even know who they interviewed. But you, you're going to tell me those interviews are real? That's not a real interview. I think Raheem Morris interviewed for Jacksonville. That's for them to fill that quota. And I hate to use that word, but that's what they're doing. It's, it's not working. And the second problem is, here's the second problem. You don't have enough black GMs. Martin Mayhew just got hired for the Washington football team, which is great. You don't have enough minorities in executive positions. So you've got two problems. You've got not enough minorities in executive positions and not enough minorities at the coaching, at the head coaching position. Plenty at the assistant, but not at the head. In a league that's overwhelmingly black. How is that happening? Like I said, people are comfortable with people that are like them, unfortunately. And you give chances to people who you're comfortable with. You don't give chances to people that you're not comfortable with. Or you find excuses, like Eric Bieniemy. Well, yeah, I know the players like him. I know Andy Reid talks about him. You know, highly respects him. Highly respects his offensive mind. But he doesn't call the plays. So if we hire him, is he going to know how to call plays? You don't think he doesn't know how to call plays? You doesn't think he's intimately involved in, in developing that offensive game plan, putting his input, coaching the players? Matt Nagy, Peterson, Frank Reich. All under Andy Reid, they didn't seem to have a problem. They didn't seem, the owners didn't seem to have a problem hiring them to coach their teams. All successful. So wouldn't it stand to reason that people that coach under Andy Reid have a higher success rate than others? Look, look at the Bill Belichick success rate of assistants. It's garbage. Who's been successful? Brian Flores in Miami and possibly Joe Judge in New York. The rest has been a shite show. Andy Reid, on the other hand, like Tony Dungy and like, if you want to go back to Bill Walsh and Mike Holmgren, have had successful coaching trees under them. So what's the deal with Eric Bieniemy? So he's the guy, he's the one guy, all these people that have come under, come under Andy Reid, all these coaches that have done good things as head coaches because they were given the chance by owners. So Eric Bieniemy the guy that's not, he's going to be the one guy. That if you give him that chance, he's not going to be successful? Come on, man. Come on. Like, enough's enough. You fire Anthony Lynn with the Chargers. So there's another African-American coach that's out. And again, like I said, I don't have an issue with the firing. They underperformed and underachieved. I, I'm not, I wasn't surprised he got fired. I don't have a problem with that. But is he going to get a second chance ever? Or is he going to be a coordinator the rest of his career? Just like Raheem Morris looks like it's going to be. Are they ever going to get a second chance? 
when all these other coaches get second chances, third chances. I mean, look, take the Jags hiring Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer's a great coach. College. Will he do well in the pros? Maybe. Maybe. And again, you have the right to hire whoever you want. But you you passed over Jacksonville, another team that's a dumpster fire. You pass over the enemy or highly qualified NFL assistants that could take over a job and know how to run an NFL team. You just that's it. You just basically go, we're going with Urban Meyer because he's a big name. Okay, I get it. You're gonna sell tickets, and I understand the business aspect. Again, these are all the things that come into play. These are all the things that come into play with with the lack of minority coaches. And and frankly, it's a travesty. And the scary part about it is, I I, I don't know. I don't think the NFL can do anything about it. Uh, I could sit here and blast the NFL. I'm really blasting the owners because the NFL has tried. The NFL has instituted the Rooney rule. But again, I don't think it's worked. And the problem is, what can you really do? This And this is what makes it more complicated. You can't tell people who to hire. And that's really the end of it. So what, what needs to happen, I think, is there needs to be people speaking out still. There needs to be, and it's going to have to be people that are not assistant coaches because unfortunately they're trying to get these jobs. I, I listened to Eric Bieniemy this morning talking about, you know, his interviews and, you know, and he, he handled it like a head coach would. He basically said, he's like, look, the, the things for me will happen when they're supposed to happen. You know, my job is to get this team ready for the AFC championship game and to advance to another Super Bowl. And that's exactly the right answer. But you can't sit here and tell me, and I understand you can't tell me that he's not frustrated, that he's not upset at the fact that he's seeing all these coaches get hired that have never coached before, that are younger than him, that are that that have less experience than him. And you can't tell me he's not frustrated by that, but he can't let that frustration out because he understands, he knows the game, and he, I get it. He understands that, look, if I, if I even appear to be angry about that or, or, or even though he would be rightfully angrier, even though if he made that comment, it would be completely valid, he understands the game. He's trying to get a head coaching job. So it's got to be people other than him with influence that continue to champion the cause of African-American coaches, like Tony Dungy has done. Uh, even while he was still coaching, he did it. And after, of course, he's an advocate for, for, for African-American and minority coaches. It's going to take that kind of pressure to come to bear from outside the coaching fraternity uh, of active coaches that are trying to get head coaching jobs. Because as it is, and this is the shitty part of it, the ability for African-American coaches to get interviewed, much less get hired, is tenuous at best right now. Because basically, you are given no margin for error. And if you're lucky enough to get the job and you don't succeed to the level that is expected of any coach and you are fired vis-a-vis Anthony Lynn that just got fired, the, the chances are Raheem Morris years ago, the chances of you getting another job are slim to none. And that's, that's just garbage. That's straight garbage. The NFL needs to do better. The NFL owners need to do better. And... There's, and I don't know what the answer is. I, that's the part that frustrates me, and that's what made me come on. I was going to do this as a regular podcast, but I just, I was just so when I saw the Texans were going after Josh McCown this morning, I'm just like shaking my head. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, are you absolutely kidding me right now? Like, you're gonna, you're going to, and they're, and they're probably going to hire Josh McCown. I don't, I don't have any insight. I don't have any scoop on that. But why wouldn't they? 
they're, they're interviewing him. They're the last team without a coach. They, they may be without a quarterback. So they're going to they're gonna hire Josh McCown. And I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Maybe Deshaun Watson is a fan of Josh McCown and, and thinks this can work. Frankly, if I was Deshaun Watson, I, I would get the hell out of there. His career, he hasn't even hit his prime yet, and he's phenomenal. And he needs to go to a team that's going to utilize his talents to the greatest potential. And, and Houston doesn't show any compunction or, or ability or even desire to be great. Uh, they're run by some kind of cult leader, apparently, uh, who's got the owner under a spell. And they're just going to be a garbage dumpster fire. And it's a shame. It's a shame. I don't care about the Houston Texans uh, at all. I mean, I only care about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it's a shame that uh, you've got a franchise quarterback, and those are hard to come by. The Buccaneers have one in Tom Brady for a short period of time. They went for years. They went for forty years trying to get a franchise quarterback, and just now they finally got one. And it's hard to do. And this team, the Houston Texans, are squandering it, uh, and 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 breaking that relationship with the best player they're ever going to have on that team ever. And uh, I have no sympathy for them and Deshaun Watson doing what he's doing. I have, I have complete support in what he's doing. And if he forces a trade, absolutely. He, he He's given everything he can to that team. He's taken a team that has limited talent to the playoffs and terrible coaching. And again, the Houston Texans have an opportunity to fix their mistakes now, if you hire Eric Bieniemy, does it mean he's going to be a great coach? No, I understand that. But again, this is not about guarantees. This is about giving opportunities to people that have earned those opportunities, that earned the right to be given an opportunity. That's what this is about. I understand that every coaching hire is a crapshoot. Eric Bieniemy might be a terrible head coach. That's possible. But you don't give him the chance. When you give all these other people the chance and you give other people that haven't really performed at a high level a second chance, Adam Gase, who did not much in Miami, was inconsistent at best and was immediately given another chance with the Jets and then that was a dumpster fire, you don't give Eric Bieniemy an opportunity that he's earned? He's earned that opportunity. He's earned that chance to be a head coach. He's put in the work. He's under the tutelage of a great offensive mind. He's highly respected by both the coaches in Kansas City and the players, current and former. He doesn't deserve an opportunity to coach an NFL team to see if he is going to be a great coach. He doesn't deserve that chance. That's garbage. And you can't, the only reason that he hasn't been given that opportunity, sorry guys, is because he's an African-American coach. Is that racist? Is it biased? Pick whatever adjective you want. I'm not even looking to do that. I'm telling you the facts. And the facts is the NFL forever has not given African-American coaches the opportunity to head coach these teams. Not near at the amount they should have. Now, what's the number? I don't know what the number is. And I'm not, I'm not saying there needs to be a certain percentage. I'm not even down there. We can't even talk, have that conversation because there's not enough coaches even to have that conversation about what the right number is. Because there's, there's barely any. So the answer, if somebody asks me, well, what do you think the right number is, Frank? I'll answer that question. How about any? How about how about more than what we have now? Why don't we go with that? More than we have now, which as of this morning, I think is four. Sala, if you count, Mike Tomlin. And I'm missing you. Look, I can't even think of the other two right now off the top of my head. 
So two to four coaches in a league of 32 teams, no, I don't think that's enough. How about more? I'm not going to give you a number. How about more than what we have now? How about giving opportunities to African-American coaches that have earned it? How about rehiring African-American coaches that maybe are very good coaches but didn't have it work out in their first lo- their first stint and give them a second stint like you have no issue giving white coaches that have had mediocre success or even not very much success second chances and sometimes even third chances how about that how about more than what we have now so that's my thoughts on that if you have any comments on this live um anybody watching now thanks like i said this is going to be obviously up on the youtube page and i'll get it over to facebook so you can watch this as well and then i'll get this over to the audio podcast feed so it'll be on the website www.letmebendyourear.com it'll also be on um wherever you get podcasts so I haven't done a sports uh, theme one in a while, and I'm glad I picked this one to do it. This one's actually been bothering me for a while. So any comments you have about that, if you agree with me, disagree with me, please you know, comment here on the stream, comment uh, on Facebook, or comment on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is Let Me Bend Your Ear. I'm also on Instagram, same handle, Let Me Bend Your Ear Pod. Excuse me, Bend Your Ear Pod. I'm sorry, Bend Your Ear Pod on Facebook, Bend Your Ear Pod on Instagram. Sorry about that. And uh, obviously, if you're watching here on YouTube, you have the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the channel. Uh, I'm going to try to do more lives when I have opportunities to do them. Uh, Like I said, when I have stuff that I want to just pop off and talk about. Uh, So follow me here. Uh, Like I said, Facebook as well. Uh, Let me bend your ear on Facebook. Please uh, subscribe to the page there on Facebook as well. Uh, I'm going to, like I said, I've been trying to make an effort to do more lives. I haven't done one in a while. Uh, So I'm going to try now that it's easier to do it to, to, to have these lives and then put them on the podcast feed. Uh, Again, you can email the show, uh, bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And like I said, uh, please give me your opinion on this issue. I think it's an important issue. I think the NFL, which is my favorite sport, I love football. I'm a passionate football fan. I'm so excited about the NFC Championship game tomorrow. Uh, But this is an issue um, within the ranks of coaching in the the NFL. I know I think it's an issue, probably less of an issue in college, but I know it's still there in college as well. I don't really follow college, but – the NFL situation with minority coaches is is pretty embarrassing. Uh, it is embarrassing, and hopefully at some point somebody can do something about it. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoys football, and, and everybody take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or any other app, please take a moment to rate and review. This is a quick and easy way you can help the show attain a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts. Another way you can help raise the profile of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or you think a friend might like it is to share the episode on your social media. This is another easy way to help the show reach a wider audience. The podcast is available on the following apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. The show is also available on both YouTube and Facebook. Episodes can also be downloaded directly from the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.